The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. to the Direct-to-Video Connoisseur podcast. Uh, Matt here. Uh, I'm solo again this week after a, a really great show that we had uh, two weeks ago with Ty and Brett from the Come Up It's Review site. Uh, great having them on. Great conversation that we had about Brett Brown and all of that. So, yeah, you know, hopefully we'll get more guests on in the future. Um, probably at this point it might be like an every other episode thing. So maybe earlier in the month I'll get a guest and then uh, later in the month, I'll just go by myself. So we'll see how it goes. Of course, with the holidays coming, it's always hard to get guests just because everybody's busy. Everybody's trying to kind of deal with all their other stuff they got to deal with. And then when the new year comes, everybody's ready to start podcasting again. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how that goes. So for this episode where I'm by myself, I wanted to look at three movies that I had watched recently. So two of them were ones I reviewed. Blackwater with Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme is one. Um, China Salesman, which has Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal in it, is the other. And then the third one to look at is Deadpool Part 2. So uh, we'll see. You know, that's not what I'm reviewing, obviously, because it was it was in the mainstream theater. Generally, unless it's a special occasion, I don't do mainstream ones unless they they really bombed in the theater, which obviously Deadpool did. Deadpool 2 didn't bomb in the theater. So I just wanted to get into it, discuss it a little more, especially since we've been talking about Marvel movies recently. The the, the Fox ones are a little bit different than the the, the Disney uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe ones. So I thought I'd talk about that, that a little bit as well. All right, so we'll start off here, and we will talk about Blackwater. So... Blackwater stars Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. And the interesting thing with the two of them is that I think had this movie been made even 10 years ago, especially when I first started the, the, the blog uh, in, in 07, the idea of a Dolph Van Damme movie, it would have been the biggest thing, right? We would have been all over that. And granted, I've been out of this for about four years now, so it's not like I was keeping track of all of it so much. But by the same token, the fact that this movie kind of slid under the radar for me, I only found it because I, I was looking up other Dolph movies on Prime, and it, it just popped up, and I was like, oh, geez, I, I need to review this, right? I need to do it. So, so it, it's interesting where we're at. And I think part of the reason why the novelty isn't there so much, I mean, Van Damme's not doing as many direct-to-video movies. Uh, and I don't know, he never really did a lot anyway. He would kind of would do like one a year or something like that. But Dolph has been doing a lot lately. So the fact that, you know, I think, I think it makes it a little bit less of a novelty. Plus, you know, they, they came back together to do the, the Universal Soldier film again. So it's not like they, they haven't been working together. So that might have been part of it as well. But I was surprised that, that this wasn't the kind of the big thing. And maybe part of that was me being out of the game for so long. But I, I think, you know, 10 years ago, this would have been huge. So quick synopsis in the movie, it... it has it's more of a Van Damme picture than a, a Dolph picture. Van Damme plays a deep cover CIA operative who is trying to flush out somebody who is selling state secrets to bad actors, and he gets caught. He's captured by Patrick Kilpatrick. He's brought on board what they call a, the Blackwater, a black 
ops site. It's essentially a submarine that's, you know, I guess, a floating version of Guantanamo Bay or the Guantanamo Bay site where they're keeping terrorists after 9-11. So he's there. The ideas are going to interrogate him, find out uh, where he put this information that he, because it, I think Kilpatrick's ideas, he thinks that Dolph was, I mean, Van Damme was the guy who, who had, had, was trying to sell the state secrets. Anyway, his mentor is on the, the submarine as well. It turns out the mentor is the one who was trying to sell the state secrets and he wanted to find out where Van Damme had the information so he could sell it, right? Because that was the whole idea. He still wanted to sell it. Van Damme escapes the interrogation room and then he and this plucky upstart of a new recruit are on the ship and they're trying to get control of the of the submarine before uh, his uh, Dolph's mentor and, and the other baddies get control of it instead. That way he can get the word out about what happened. Um, Dolph Lundgren plays a a fellow inmate on board. We don't really know about his past till the end. We find out, I guess, that, that he was a secret service agent for Germany. Um, so chalk that up. I mean, I guess he played Germans before, right? He was an East German in pentathlon. So it's not like the first time he's played a German, but he kind of runs the gamut, right? Between Eastern European and Scandinavian characters um, and, and European characters. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. He never played a French character, right? Which would be interesting because you know, we think about it, um, uh, Patrick Stewart has played a French character. So Patrick Stewart can be a French character. I feel like we can have Dolph be a, a French character at some point. Oh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, so, so, so as Van Damme's trying to get through the sub and, and try to, you know, take control of it and get the word out about the bad guys, he does let Dolph free and he and Dolph, along with this plucky upstart, go and, and sort of win the day. Now, you know, for me, it, it, it wasn't the best. And, I, you know, of course, it was a little disappointing that it wasn't the best. Um, part of it was that it wasn't really a, a Dolph Van Damme team up. Team up. Um, Dolph was more like a, a Chekhov's gun type person, right, where you see him in the beginning and it's like, okay, you know they're going to use him at some point. It's just how that's going to happen and how far into the movie are we going to have to wait for it. I think it was like the last half hour or so that he came in. So that part of it didn't work. But the other thing I realized, I think it's just the construct of a submarine movie. Submarine movies just don't seem to work, right? And I think that is a problem. That uh, they're too confined to space. Um, you know, it's not like if you're, you're in a jungle or or a factory or something like that where you can go between confined and open spaces and mix it up a little bit better. It was constantly a confined space. Um, also, they were using rubber bullets. The characters were using rubber bullets, so it meant people weren't being killed off. So it's like you take somebody out, but then they come back later, or you know, it seemed like you, you wouldn't know when when people were dying or not. So that that made it a little bit iffy as well. Um, I, I think that the whole thing, it could have been done better, maybe if it was was outside. Um, the other thing, too, is I believe it was described as Die Hard on a Submarine, and it really wasn't that. Maybe had it been Die Hard on a Submarine, it, it, it might have worked better. Um, it, it just it didn't have enough full-on action for it to, to really do that. That being said, there were some nice parts to it. I really liked seeing Van Damme have a fight scene with his son. I thought that was really cool to watch in the movie. And uh, I, you know, again, I don't think I could ever do that with my dad, have a, a fake fight scene. So I don't know what that's like, but it is interesting to think, you know, we, we grew up with Van Damme and his son was born in the late eighties, I believe like 86, 87. So you know, his son's in his thirties now. His son is, you know, a little bit older than his dad when, when, when Jean-Claude Van Damme first started in the business making, uh, make, making films. So it, it is really cool to see that now that that's, that, you know, he's at that point and it, you know, he's made a few movies. Uh, they've made a few movies together. So that was something that was really cool to see. And, and I really like that. Um, you know, Dolph's character was cool. I, I liked Dolph, Dolph's character in the film. It just, you know, again, we didn't get enough of him. And, and so that was a little bit uh, too bad. And I don't know, you know, the reason for that, if that was part of the script to not have enough, you know, or maybe it was, this was how much we've got of Dolph before he goes on to do his next movie. So that, that could have been it too. Overall, I, I think this one, it, it was a little bit of a disappointment and it, it would have been nice. It just, it seemed like this was the movie that, that you know, it, a movie that it just, you know, again, however many years ago would have been, this would have been amazing. And, and it just didn't do that for, uh, for me. And I, it was, it was a little bit of a disappointment to see that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see as these two actors, Dolph and, and Van Damme go on, um, Van Damme's going to be 60 this year. Dolph's already, I think he's just turned 62. So, you know, they're, they're getting up there and, and these movies do take a bit of a toll. Like there, there's a lot involved in making them. You know, we are seeing like Stallone and Schwarzenegger making movies into their seventies. 
um, I believe uh, uh, Bronson's last Death Wish picture, he was in his 70s. I can't remember. Um, or maybe it was another movie he did in his 70s. But, you know, so, so it's not like it's not unheard of to work that far into it. But, you know, if, if the DTVC makes it another 10 years, it's going to be interesting to see where these guys are at that time. And it's kind of a, a sad thing to think about that we're, you know, talking about Van Damme starting 30 years ago and remembering when those pictures were big at that time and how cool action was at that time. And now it's it's something a little bit different where we're, where we're now, um, you know, kind of seeing them doing direct-to-video stuff and wondering, you know, where it's going to go from here. Uh, it'd be really cool to see how that goes. Um, yeah, so I I think, you know, I mean, and I'm hoping that we're going to get one more really good one with these two. Maybe if they, they make another movie together that we get something big that's really exciting because again, this one was a little bit lackluster and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, uh, you know, I guess, you know, thinking about what could have done better, I think more of a team up would have worked. And I don't know if that's a problem with a lot of these actors making a lot of movies. Van Damme's not making a lot, but you know, Dolph is, Sakal is, they're making a lot of pictures right now. I wonder if they can only, you know, if they're making so many, they can only do so many scenes in, in the different movies that they're in. And that's, that's part of it too. So we'll see. Um, interesting thing about Dolph is that he has 49. This was the 49th movie of his we've reviewed. So he's by far the most. Um, he has 49. I believe Gary Daniels has 43. And then Albert Pion has 41. So the next movie we do for Dolph is going to be his 50th. So I'm going to have to think of something special to do for that. Um, I'll probably just review any of the movies that are out there. But, you know, if you can think of one of his newer DTV ones that I haven't done yet that you think I should cover for his 50th, um, you know, absolutely let me know because it's a big deal, right? He'll be the first to 50. He was, I believe he was the first to 40. So, um, you know, he's kind of the, the, the driving force of the DTVC, right? He's what we call the Babe Ruth of, of direct-to-video action. So it'll be cool to see what happens with him going forward. All right, so now we'll move on to China Salesman. So China Salesman, it, it stars Seagal and Mike Tyson. And if you ever see the, the, the trailer for this, it's just this really big, high-octane action scene between the two of them. And you think, this is going to be sick. Uh, but it's on Netflix. And I noticed that when I hovered over, I had my cursor over the, uh, the movie in Netflix, I noticed that it was showing me this scene of Dong Shui Li, who's the, kind of the main star, him and another woman running around um, trying to rescue a baby from, from, from tribes people in Africa. I thought that was interesting. I'm thinking, okay, this is a Van uh, Seagal Tyson movie, but this is the scene I'm seeing in Netflix. Maybe this isn't quite the movie that the trailer depicted it to be. And sure enough, that was the case. They have that really great scene. There are other scenes that happen. Um, you know, Tyson is in the movie a little bit more than Seagal, but this isn't really their movie. This is supposed to be Dong Shui Li's movie, and it, it's it's kind of a you know pro-China uh, celebration kind of movie where the the character is overcoming odds of you know people don't respect him as as a Chinese person versus the Europeans that are trying to um, in the movie they're they're. they're Telecom companies are bidding for the rights to have the cell phone towers in in a, uh, a North African country that's developing, and so there's an idea that you know that the the, the the Chinese company isn't as as well advanced and it's not you know going to win the bidding versus the the European one, and they kind of you know show themselves that they're 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 good enough for that on the backs of Dong Shui Lin. Um, Dong Shui Li, but then also there's an idea that there's sort of a nefarious plot going on with the Europeans, that they're there to exploit these African nations like they have in the past, and they're just sort of furthering that that imperialist uh, that imperialist agenda that they, they've they've had for for you know four or five hundred years there in Africa. Uh, so that's what the movie's more about, and we just happen to have um, Seagal in it. I mean, Tyson is in it a little bit more because he's playing the uh, the head of, or he's playing a representative of a, of a displaced tribe of people in Africa. We're looking for homeland again, and he's leading a, a charge to start a civil war in the country there. So, you know, I, it's, it's an interesting thing with movies like this. You know, they were, they, they put all their money into getting Seagal and Tyson in the film. And they wanted to make sure they got their money's worth, so they made sure they were prominent in the trailer, prominent on the cover. And it's hard. I don't know if you call it a bait and switch or if it's just a way to get your money back from having them in the film. Uh, but either way, it, it wasn't an accurate understanding of what the film was about. And, you know, so anybody going into it is going to, to see that. The runtime is long and 
it, it sort of it, it, it the movie has a natural ending at about like the hour and 20 minute mark and then it just tacks on another like 40 minutes or so that it didn't need which was really weird there were a lot of weird things in this movie and that was one of them um i i you know i, I don't you know again i don't know what the driving forces were if, if there was you know sort of chinese government forces behind getting the movie out there perhaps and wanting to have certain things told in the movie or certain things shown in the movie, um, which maybe that would have affected why they would have done that extra running time, or maybe they just, you know, just kind of got carried away or something like that. But it, it, you know, it, it, it made the movie a little bit more unbearable to have that extra time that just felt like it was spinning its wheels. Um, so something that, that I don't think was necessary in there. Um, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting was what you, you had, you know, Chinese patriotism in the film. You have the character of Dong Shui Li, you know, waving the, the, the Chinese flag as um, they go past the checkpoint and you know, um, the, the people at the checkpoint let them through because they're not representing a, a European power, they're not representing one of the other warring African uh, factions in, in the country. Um, you know, it, it, it reminded me a lot of a, a lot of the the patriotic American films that we get, especially the lot that came out post 9-11 and and then, you know, the Iraq war and those kinds of things where you just had this huge spate of just, you know, these kind of rah-rah patriotic type films. And it was nice to guess, I guess, to see it in a different light, to see it, you know, with with, with, um, a a Chinese production doing it that way. Uh, You know, I think for Americans, you know, you, you kind of either see those one way or the other, right? So you're 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 that kind of rah rah, you know, Toby Keith, you know, we're going to put a boot in your ass kind of uh, a, a patriotic person. And so in that case, you you look at it and you say, okay, yeah, you know, this, I, I love this kind of movie. Yeah, just give me all the red, white, and blue you can, and you know, let's 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 blow everything up. Um, or you're the kind of Americans like, hey, I love America, but man, this stuff's insufferable. I can't I can't handle this. Um, and and so, you know, sometimes I think. You know, when you see other movies do it, uh, other countries do it in their movies, it, you, there's a part of you that goes, oh, that's interesting. And a part of you that's like, ugh, boy, you know, or, you know, I guess if you're one of those rah-rah types, you're like, no, man, get out of here with that. I don't want to see that, that stuff. Uh, so I, I thought it was a really cool element to this film. I thought there was a lot of uh, kind of international relations stuff going on there between, you know, as, as China is challenging the global economy. Uh, it just would have been nice if the movie was shorter. I, I think I could have managed it a little bit better. It, it, it made its point well enough in the first hour, 20 minutes, and it made it really well. I thought that it didn't need the extra 40. And it wasn't like they did a lot with Tyson or Seagal after that, that we really needed it. So, um, you know, it would be interesting to see. You know, Tyson's doing more movies now. I saw he's, he's doing a, he did a, a couple of the, the Kickboxer sequels with Van Damme. Um, obviously, Seagal's doing a lot of stuff now. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what Tyson can do in in, in the direct-to-video realm as, as an action hero. Because you know, again, he 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 was one of the. I mean, I grew up watching him box, and he was maybe one of the the, the fiercest, but also, I mean, just as a, a, from a sheer athletic standpoint, I mean, he, he was one of the best that, that did it. And, and you just remember at the time he would just kind of come full speed on people and just go, but it wasn't just the insane punching power, but he was just, he was an immense athlete. And it'd be interesting to see how that, you know, I mean, it, it, it looked like it carried over really well in the fight scene that he had with Seagal. And I think it would be nice to see it in a film, you know, maybe see him. I don't know if you want to have him as the lead or somebody who's helping out the lead or even as a baddie. I don't know what you do, but that kind of talent there, I think, really could carry over for an action film. And, you know, for us as action fans, we don't need a big plot. We don't need a lot of storytelling. We just need some hardcore action. And, and I think Tyson is someone who could carry that for us. And, yeah, I, I think it might be interesting going forward. You know, again, we were talking about how some of these other actors are getting up there in age. Not like Tyson would be the youngest either but he's you know same idea he's, he's younger than them he's younger than Seagal he's younger than uh, uh, Van Damme he's younger than you know so you know I think actually I don't know if he is younger than Van Damme that's a good point he might be around the same age but the point is is, is that you know as we're getting fresh faces we're getting people like Adkins in uh, Michael Jai White starting to do more stuff it, it would be interesting to see what we could do with Tyson to see what kinds of movies he could make if he's got the right director and apparatus around him for a film uh, just to see that kind of talent I'm, I'm always a sucker for that kind of you know those raw athletes who can really bring them that's why I always love Dolph Dolph was you know, he's always one of the best athletes in the movies that he was making and I, I always love to see him make you know do fight scenes uh, you know 
bring it in, in an action movie because he, he had that natural talent. Um, you know, Van Damme's another natural athlete. And, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, Tyson might be, I don't know if he would be bigger than, than better than Dolph as a natural athlete, but he would be up there. And I, I just think to see that would, would be something really cool. And of course, we don't get that here, but I think going forward, that's something I, I would really love to see. Uh, what, what, what can you do with Tyson in these kinds of movies and uh, really, really see him bring it in something, you know, you know, nothing wrong with any 80 minute actioner where he's doing more fighting and blowing things up than, than, you know, trying to do any kind of plot exposition or, or having to really, really get out there and act too much. If it's not, you know, something that, that's really natural for him, what's natural for him is being an athlete. He's just, he's, he's just amazing. So yeah, I think, you know, I think it's something that we could see more. I'd like to see action, director video action, get back to that a little bit more. Um, part of it is by having older actors do it. They don't have the, 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 you know, quite the, the athletic um, ability that they had before because, you know, just natural to deteriorate or rage. I mean, I'm, I'm just turning 40 now and my back hurts sometimes just getting out of bed. So, you know, you know, you can't expect them to be at that level that they were at originally. But, you know, we're seeing guys like Atkins come along who just can bring it. And I think we need more of that. We can't get into too much of this sort of born identity uh, you know, quick cuts. Um, I know it was somebody, who, uh, I think it was the guy who wrote the Seagalology who referred to it as avid fart. Um, editing, where you're just seeing different cuts going on, and you can take anybody like a Liam Neeson or a, a Matt Damon and make them into a, a, a fighter by just cutting the scenes quickly enough. You know, we need big, long takes of just guys just really, you know, well choreographed fights or just bringing it. And, and that's what we were used to in, in the 90s. I mean, when you think of the PM Entertainment fight scenes, and you got guys like Gary Daniels who just brought it. Jeff Wincott's another one that comes to mind. Uh, Don the Dragon Wilson and in, in, in the, the Corman uh, produced films that he did. You know, it just was it was really good stuff. But it was also, you know, longer choreographed things, not a lot of edits. Yes, it does take its toll on the actor. Um, so you know, you don't want to see it all the time. But you know, I think what I think I like about Scott Atkins is he wants to do that kind of action, and I, I'd like to see more of that. And, I think someone like a, a Mike Tyson, who is a natural athlete, I think he can be trained to do that. I mean, he, he did a, he had a really great fight scene with Seagal in this movie. I mean, it was probably one of the best parts of the movie. I think he could do that kind of thing really well, and and we could really see some really truly inspired stuff, um, you know, with him working against an Atkins or Michael J. White or, or whoever. Um, you know, some really really well choreographed thing just to see him. Uh, you know, flex his athletic muscles against some of those guys. So something to think about. But, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get that here at China Salesman. And, you know, it, it, it's advertised as such, but it, unfortunately, that's not the case. So, you know, for me, I think between the runtime and the fact, you know, if you're going to watch this movie, I think you should watch the beginning. Watch that fight scene because it, it is worth it if you're a connoisseur of that kind of thing. Not to, no pun intended with the direct-to-video connoisseur, but if you're a connoisseur of that kind of thing, I think you'd really like that. So, yeah, it, it's worth checking out. All right, so now we'll wrap up by talking about Deadpool 2. All right, so Deadpool 2 I, I saw uh, relatively recently. Um, I did see the first one, of course, and there is a podcast about the first one. It was um, way back when I thought I was going to get back into doing this again. I did a one-off on Deadpool, and then it just never happened. We never, we were never able to make it happen further beyond that, unfortunately. So, um, so I did review that one. I think I gave a little bit of the history at that time of how I was with comics. So, um, you know, I, I was a big fan of comics in the late 80s, early 90s, which was around the time that Deadpool had his first appearance. So you had Deadpool um, coming on late in the New Mutants cycle before New Mutants turned over to X-Force. So I remember when they brought on Cable, um, he was just an amazing character. Then you bring on Deadpool, just another great one. And um, I actually read uh, Rob Liefeld. He was talking about when he created those characters. He was trying to replicate the success that Marvel had with Wolverine and Spider-Man. So the idea was he wanted to create a new Wolverine and a new Spider-Man by creating uh, Cable and Deadpool. And I think he did that. I mean, when I think of, you know, sort of the, the big Marvel canon, right? When you've got, you know, Spider-Man, you think of Wolverine. Uh, the Hulk, uh, you know, all of those big names, Daredevil, uh, the Avengers, Captain America, all of them. You know, most of them came out before I was born in 79. Um, you know, some came in the 80s, but most of the big names were, you know, guys from the 60s and 70s. And so, you know, to have Deadpool and Cable, especially Deadpool, Deadpool is so huge. Um, guys that were, you know, had their first appearances when I was reading the comics. It was a really amazing thing. And to see Deadpool emerge into what he's become here, it's been really cool to see that. So that's something that I really liked about this. 
I think my problem with both of the movies is that for whatever reason, I don't, I don't get it why they have to really play with the canon so much. Um, that, you know, first off, I guess Deadpool, I guess you couldn't make him a bad guy, which he did. He started out as a bad guy in the earlier episodes, even though, in the early issues, rather. But, I mean, he was a sick bad guy. I mean, he loved watching, you know, it's like if you saw Deadpool on the cover, you wanted to get that comic and just see what he was about, you know, see what he was going to do in, this ep- in, in that issue. And I, I think, I guess because he evolved into this anti-hero character, when they made the movies, they had to just make him straight anti-hero right away, just or make him more hero than anti-hero. So they had to play with the canon. They couldn't make it be this thing where he's this guy that's, you know, working for this, you know, this underground boss, Tolliver, and he's opposing Cable the whole time. You couldn't do it that way, which I guess I understand. But I, I kind of liked it that way. I thought it was really cool. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't always like the way that they take these liberties with the canon. Um, it's interesting too when you look at the Fox, which I guess technically now Disney's bought a lot of Fox. So I don't know if I guess they've bought the, the rights to these. I don't know to the X Men characters and the Fantastic Four ones. Um, but it's always been interesting to see how they those two universes have diverged, or you know the way that they've gone about it. And the idea with Deadpool, right, is he's supposed to be an R-rated version of the Marvel. Um, but you know, for me, I think the best R-rated Marvel. Is the um, the the series that they had on on Netflix, in particular the Luke Cage one. I was a really big fan of the Luke Cage one. Um, the Daredevil one was pretty good. Um, the Jessica Jones one I liked the first season. Second season didn't quite do it for me. The Punisher one I liked as well. I think I, again I think I liked the first season better of that one as well than the second, but still really great stuff. The Iron Fist one also came in there. But you think of like the Punisher and the Luke Cage one; those ones are really R rated. Um, maybe even more. <laughs> maybe even you know something bigger than that. And with the amount of blood and, and gore that's in them. And I almost think with the Deadpool uh, movies that a, a, a series like that might be a better way to work with his character. I, I, it feels like these movies, like they, they kind of just, I don't know, there's something about movies, the way movies are made nowadays, where even something like Deadpool's where it's, it's supposed to be R-rated, it still just feels so overly focus grouped that you, you, you can't get into the, like, what you, you, know, you want to do with it. Or you just, I don't know, just, there's something bland about it, even as, as much fun as the Deadpool movies are. And this one did have a little bit. I mean, you know, again, you're bringing on Cable. It's supposed to be great. Cable and Deadpool are fighting each other. And, and um, you know, of course, the weird thing, right, is the flipped dynamic, right? When, when they first started off, it was Cable. It was a good guy fighting the bad guy, Deadpool. And now we're supposed to be rooting for Deadpool against Cable, um, the way they flipped it. I like the way they brought Domino's character in. She, she was really great. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward with some of the other ones, like Shatterstar, if they bring them back. Because um, it's like they died, but then we think Deadpool went back in time and saved them. I don't know exactly how that worked. Um, you know, again, it's all weird stuff that, that I think... You know, a Deadpool series on a streaming service, which if it's going to be on Disney Plus, full disclosure, I'm not getting Disney Plus. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I've, you know, I've already got Netflix. I've already got Hulu. And the way Disney is, since they've taken over Fox, the way they're vaulting movies, trying to hoard them, keep them out of indie theaters, uh, that kind of thing, just to try to sell their Disney Plus, to me, it's kind of unseemly. Um, I know Netflix does similar stuff, so I'm, I'm probably, you know, I'm maybe picking my battles or something. But it's not something that I'm really going to get into, but uh, I think something like that, like a Deadpool series might work better just because you can sort of go episodically, have him dealing with certain situations in a way that in a movie, I feel like, I guess with the movie, it just has to be so over the top and so big and uh, explosion worthy, but also so focus grouped that it doesn't really do much beyond just being a bunch of explosions and being, uh, you know, over the top that, you know, I think a series can maybe, get grittier it can it can do things now that um you know in the past maybe tv couldn't do it can be more expansive in how it, it looks at at deadpool looks at, at cable um domino you can bring in more villains here and there add things to it you really get for us that you know from someone like myself who grew up with with these comics uh, really get to the geek part of us and i think that's what i, I felt like I, I watched the movie i liked um Josh Berlin as, as Cable. Um, you know, I, I liked the way the characters in the movie, but I left it thinking like, okay, that was it. You know, that was that was the end of it. And and now I've got to wait two more years, right, for another one. And I think that's that's kind of the thing. It's, it's like it's a, they're all the same movie. Even this Deadpool one that's R-rated, it's still just another Marvel movie where it's just kind of like big action scene after big action scene, but they're all kind of the same big action scene where people are up on big heights, they're swinging around, car chases, that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's great in, in, in a PM entertainment film. I, I really enjoy it there. But with these big Marvel things, like they just all seem the same. Um, 
I think even with Deadpool trying to do something different, it still ends up just eventually just being the same. And I think with the TV show aspect of it, you can get into something a little bit different. You can, you can explore the character a little bit more. You don't have to feel like, okay, I've got two hours to just blow as much stuff up as I can and get from point A to point B and have as many plot twists as I can so you don't know what's going to happen next and do it all that way. Um, with a TV series, like, you know, with the Luke Cage TV series, what's really great about that is that you can develop, you know, they develop that character over a period of episodes. You know, they've got baddies that they develop at the same time. Um, you know, yes, there's big action that happens, but it's also, it, it is much grittier. It develops things in a, in a nicer way. And, and it gets to the heart of a lot of issues that a, a movie couldn't do. I don't know what a, a Luke Cage movie would have looked like if it was just two hours versus a long season that I can binge like that. But I don't think it would have been as good. And I, I feel like something like Deadpool really lends itself to something great like that. Um, and, and, you know, the difference, I think, between the, the Netflix ones as, versus a regular TV show is that they aren't as episodic. They're more like, it's like almost like a big movie played over, you know, 13 parts. Uh, and, you know, I think a Deadpool one might be even cooler to do more episodically where it's just, you know, like, oh, this baddie just showed up and now he's got to deal with it and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with all of these products as, as now that Disney's taken them all over to see if we start to get the, the crossovers, you know, Spider-Man, Deadpool crossover, that kind of thing. I just, I worry like, okay, yeah, you do a, a, a Spider-Man Deadpool crossover movie, which sounds like real fantastic to me, but then, you know, what happens? Is it just going to be, it's just going to be like a series of, you know, explosions and plot twists that we all see coming for two and a half hours or two hours or however long it is. And it's not really going to do much for us. Um, whereas like, like, like a series, you know, a, a one-off, you know, 13 episode series of Spider-Man and Deadpool would be pretty fantastic, right? It would be amazing, which I guess the other thing too I'm realizing is that Marvel doesn't have the, you know, that, that Disney doesn't have the rights to Spider-Man, right? They just borrow him for these cinematic universe things, but overall Sony has the rights to that. Uh, that that whole thing is just, it's so fugazi. And I, I, I know recently that I guess Marvel originally was doing it all piecemeal. And now, you know, now that Disney has control, they're trying to get control of them all. But you know, I was thinking about with the Infinity War, how much I loved that when that came out. I think it was like in seventh grade when that series came out in comics, that big crossover. And I remember Silver Surfer played such a huge part in that and that that series. And, you know, the Fantastic Four were big in that. Galactus, some of those other big characters. Well, I guess, you know, Fox owned the rights to those, so then they can't be in the Infinity War. So it kind of, you know, makes it a little bit... Yeah, I don't know. It, you know, it's not, not as big as it is for me as a comic book fan. I know a lot of people just go and watch those Marvel movies and they like to just, you know, switch off and just let it all happen, which I get, you know. But I think for me as a, as a pure, you know, as a comic book fan, someone who grew up reading them, you know, I want to see Silver Surfer fighting against Thanos with everybody else. I, he's like one of my favorite characters. And, you know, the fact that he's been shelved like that because he's over in Fox, it just, you know, I don't know, it makes it, it kind of makes it not as cool. Um, and... So it's going to be interesting to see what happens if you start to move these, you know, if if, if Disney gets control over all the Fox ones, um, then I guess they've got to figure out what to do with the Sony ones, which I guess Sony is trying to develop their own products like the Venom movies and things like that. So maybe we won't get all of those. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a fugazi aspect of it that as fans of comic book movies, we don't get everything all at once. Um, I know those Avengers movies, those things do huge in the theater. Like every time they put one out, it just is a blockbuster. So I know there's a, um, you know, everybody loves them and they don't necessarily need it all that way. Um, but I think the Deadpool movie reminded me that as much as, you know, this, you know, it's really cool to see Deadpool get to this point and see him where he's at as this, you know, somebody who's there on the level of like a Spider-Man or a Wolverine. Um, to see him at that level, I think, is really cool. But at the same time, I'm reminded of the fact that, you know, the movie's just not, you know, I, I in, in the early 90s, the idea of a Deadpool movie, I would have been so excited. And, I, you know, if it had been just one of those, you know, Albert Pion type flicks that, you know, everybody, you know, you know, scoffs at now, um, I still would have thought it was awesome, right? It still would have been cool for me. Um, I think that's one of the, the frustrating parts now is that, yeah, all these movies are getting made and they're just these overly focus grouped, like bland kind of productions that you're like, oh, you know, why aren't they doing this? Or, oh, I wish they would have done that. And I know a lot of people making these movies are people my age. So they grew up with the, 
comic books the same way I did. I think that's why they, they made such a big push to do the Infinity Wars. They grew up with it the way I did, and they, they really like it. Um, and, and so, you know, I know that they're trying to do justice to it. And they're trying to make it work. I think the problem is, is that then it's like, okay, now marketing gets involved, everybody else gets involved, and then suddenly you start, you know, sort of, you know, smoothing off the edges a bit, and, and it becomes something different that you're just like, well, okay, you know, it's just another one of these movies. And, you know, I think the, the most recent one was like three hours long, which, I mean, it's like, you know, I think Ran was, was three hours long, right? The Kurosawa uh, adaptation of, of King Lear. Like, yes, that should be a three-hour movie. I don't need a comic book movie to be three hours long. I need it to be, you know, two hours at the most of just fantastic explosions, as many characters as I can see, all being like that cool character that I remember from the movie and, you know, interacting with each other. And and, and so, I don't know, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, one thing we know about Disney is Disney does not really take chances, right? They they want to make something that is going to appeal to as many people as possible and save their bottom line as much as possible. So, you know, that's one thing to worry about, too, with, with Deadpool is that maybe they get Deadpool and they soften off his edges a bit and make him a nicer product. I, I don't know. Um, so we'll see what happens when Deadpool 3 finally comes out. I don't know when it's slated to come out, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, too, going forward. I mean, they are already kind of, uh, you know, played the uh, the cable card, uh, so to speak. So he's in there now. We were That was kind of my big anticipation. I mean, the first one, that was one of the problems with the first one is it didn't really have anybody in it. I mean, it had, had Colossus, of all people. So it wasn't really doing much for me. The new one, it was like, okay, go, Cable's going to be in this one. That's exciting. Um, and it was cool at, at points. It was cool seeing Cable on screen like that. But it did feel like it was like, you know, what, what, what's so special out of being Cable and Deadpool beyond the fact that the names are there and it looks like them? You know, there was nothing beyond that that was like, oh, yeah, this, this is these guys here that I remember from those comics when they used to kick ass together so much. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if they do. I mean, that would be a great series, right? That would be, um, I remember they had that comic that, that in the early 2000s, the Deadpool Cable comic. I mean, that would be a great series of the two of them, you know, getting after it. Um, I guess you couldn't get Berlin and, and and Ryan Reynolds to play those parts. So then maybe I guess you have to find, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess from Disney's standpoint or Fox or whoever else, making the movie right they make more money you can make like a billion dollars with the movie whereas with the, the the tv show you can only make so much by having a stream or something like that um so you know it's me maybe me as a comic book purist wanting something that's unrealistic uh, but yeah i think you know when i think about me as a comic book fan in the early 90s and you know the movies we had then we had the, the albert peon captain america uh punisher kind of came and, and didn't really make it as, as we would have liked them. You know, he grew up with Hulk reruns, um, Hulk TV movies in the late 80s. Uh, you know, Hulk might have been maybe one of the biggest ones to, to be successful. Uh, I remember there's the old Spider-Man 70s TV show. And then, right, you have Tim Burton making the Batman movies, and suddenly Batman was was huge, and Batman was everywhere. You think of the Donner Superman movies. Those were, were, were pretty spectacular. But... For Marvel movies, there wasn't, there weren't a lot of successes out there. Uh, but I do remember, you know, that there's the the cartoons that came out. Um, there's the X Men cartoons that were, were big on Saturday mornings. That I, I think maybe kind of got the ball rolling. That okay, there's there's something here for this if we want to make big budget pictures. I'm trying to remember what the first one was. If it was the Fantastic Four, if it was X Men, but of course it was Fox that were, was making them. And I think when I saw the first X Men one, I thought, wow, this is great. Like this is something that that I you know, this, this, this is the movie. This is supposed to be what it looks like. But then there were elements of it, like um, Storm, um, you know, she sees somebody turn to water and she runs out of the room screaming, which I, I remember Storm as being like this like stoic leader. Um, so that was not really something that worked there. The other thing too, of course, with Storm was that, well, you've got to have Cyclops as the leader, even though Storm was also the leader. Um, and so it's like, you can't not have Storm in the movie, but yet she can't really be the leader because you have to have Cyclops as a leader. So you had things like that, that made it a little bit, eh, you know, it it didn't work like you want it to, but it it was big because, you know, I'm at the theater and I'm watching Marvel characters on the screen and it's working, right? They're doing it well. And I think, you know, it just kind of rolled from there. I mean, then you had the, the Iron Man. Uh, you know, that's when they started, you know, linking them together, right? So at that point, they were all just one-off. It was X-Men here, Spider-Man there, uh, Fantastic Four. You know, they were all by themselves. And then you get to Iron Man, the new Hulk one, 
Thor, they start linking them together to build this big Marvel Cinematic Universe, which was, you know, what we thought, you know, when we, when we remember the comics, everybody could cross over into each other's uh, books. And, and that was, you know, what we were hoping for. I think for me, the problem was, is that I'm watching it. I'm like, this is just really like heavily focused group. Like these are like the same like blockbusters that I watched in the 90s where it was like, I knew everything was going to happen before it happened in the movie. Um, I think that's where I started to get disillusioned with it. That you know, you watch like a Thor. I think I watched the Thor Ragnarok one because that one looks so offbeat in the in the the pictures and and then the commercials. And then I watch it and I'm like, this isn't offbeat at all. This is like every other Thor movie. It's just painted as being offbeat, but it really wasn't offbeat. Um, I think that's where it's like it's sort of it, it's turned for me where, you know, X Men comes out and I think in, in the early two thousands and I think, wow, this is great. This is what you know, what, what comic book movies really could be. And then I guess, you know, when the money starts to pour in, it's like, well, we got to make sure we don't take chances and we just kind of make this as bland as possible. So it appeals to as many people as possible. And then for me as the person who grew up, I mean, those comics, when I grew up with, you know, I mean, they, they took chances, they did things because they could. Um, and, and, you know, and of course the other thing too, with those comics is, you know, if you do a one-off that doesn't really work, it's not a big deal, right? If you're writing a comic book, and, you know, they would remember they would even have throwaway episodes like, you know, Spider-Man's getting ready to do a big crossover with their four books and do this big story arc. Well, we got an episode we need of an issue we need to burn. So we're just going to bring in some bad, you know, baddie like Hobgoblin or Vermin or somebody like that in a one off episode, a one off issue. And then, boom, we're getting into this big, huge, you know, like Carnage, Venom story arc that's going to go over all of the books for, for the summer. Um you know, you could do that. You could afford to because it's just a dollar issue. I think there was a dollar back then, and then I think it went up to dollar twenty-five when I was collecting. Whereas with a movie, you can't afford to burn one, right? The movie has to be big. Everything has got to be big in it. It's all got to, you know, be amazing. So you can't take chances. It's, it's you, you can't do think something that's going to flop. It has to always work, or it's not going to be worth the money that they're putting into it. Um, you know, I think of like TV shows. You think of Breaking Bad, where they did the episode where they're just chasing a fly around. For, for the whole episode, um, you know, you can't do that with movies. You can't have a, a movie that's chasing the fly around for the whole episode, but you can do it with a TV show if you need to kill an episode or you need to burn one. Um, and I think that's because of that, because there's that need to make sure that everything is, is, is just right. So it makes the most money possible. It ends up becoming, you know, bland. I mean, sure. It's fun. It's a fun, exciting, you know, it can be an exciting. I, I don't know if anything's exciting for three hours. Um, I even saw Lawrence Arabia in the theater recently and, that was a bit much for me, even at three hours. But I, I think you know, it's, it's. I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever change. I mean, I think the only way that we can really get back to a point where these these comic book movies are starting to take chances again is one. I think you get these those, those series like the Luke Cage series where you you don't need to make billions of dollars, so you can afford to make chances. You can afford to you know to to appeal to a smaller audience and make something that. You know, not everybody gets, but, you know, enough of us really love. With the TV series, you can do that. And it'll be interesting to see if more come along like that. But it might also be a situation where we need, you know, you, it's going to take an upstart company to to get in there. Um, you know, we've got DC and Marvel that are just doing a lot of it. And growing up, it was always those two, right? But then every once in a while, you get something like Dark Horse or Valiant that would come along. And that might be what it takes, is that it takes like a an upstart third uh, publishing company to come in with their movies and, and do movies and TV shows that are really changing the game. And then suddenly people start to gravitate away from that, you know, especially true comic book fans. If they start to gravitate away from it, sure, you're going to get the big top, you know, you're going to get the people that are, you know, just go to the movie theater on a Friday night and just want to spend their money. And sure, they'll see the Marvel one just as much as anything else. But it might be enough to, to format the, the, you know, get the change where, where these movies are exciting again, or there's, you know, I don't know if exciting is the right word. I think, yeah, exciting is the right word because it's like I, if I watch one of these 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 Marvel movies, it, it's like action happens, but it's it's like a predictable action. Like even the plot twists, I know, okay, a plot twist is going to come. And, you know, they can do whatever they want with a plot twist. It might be hard for me to see it coming, you know, because if they make it too out of the box, I won't see it. But I know the plot twist is coming. So it's like, okay, at this point in the film, here comes the plot twist. Okay, here comes the action scene. Okay, here comes the scene where the, uh, the main characters are being defeated. Okay, here's where they, looks like all hope is lost. Oh, now all hope is lost, but now they're going to recover and save the day. 
you know, when you watch a Luke Cage episode, when you watch a, you know, that series, it doesn't work that way. It's not a series of situations like that. You know, it's, it's, it's more, you know, there's, there's more of a detective element where there's, there's mysteries and things like that that are solved, but also the way that the characters interact, it, you know, things come out of nowhere. Things happen that you, you, you don't see in these comic book movies. Um, there was one in, um, the second season of Luke Cage where the guy that he was fighting against decapitated a whole bunch of people and just had their heads on spikes. And the thing was like, these were characters that you thought maybe were going to do more in the series. And you wouldn't see that in a Marvel movie, like in a big movie. First off, you wouldn't see people looking to decapitated, right? That's not something that happened. You know, that's, that's not big tent. Right? That's you know, Disney would come in and be like, no, you're not doing, not doing decapitations. But also it was such a curveball because it, it didn't follow your, your traditional story arc of like I was describing there, right? Characters go, they fight, lose the fight, almost oh, you know, all hope is lost, now they recover, save the day, win, everybody's happy. It was so completely out there. Uh, but it, it worked in the construct of the of the show, and you're like, yeah, you know, this is this is gritty stuff, but it's it's not just gritty for the sake of gritty. It's like where this this you know this this you know the, the, it makes like a great point for a plot point. Like, yes, this is what this character would do if he's not overly focus gripped. He's gonna take out his his bad guys like this, and you know, it's not like they're keeping characters around for the sake of keeping them around because you know if this is the main character you don't just kill off main character no they're killing them off because that's what this other character would do if he's in, involved and and i think that's where you, i guess you have to go with a marvel movie you know is you've got to you know kill people off in ways that we don't expect or, or make surprises or, or, or change the storytelling so it's not that traditional focus group thing that we're seeing a lot of with these marvel pictures i don't know if you get there i mean if something's making a billion dollars or four billion or whatever it is they're making usually you don't change that right disney's disney's doing okay um though i know they had some problem with the um the star wars movie that they made the uh the han solo prequel or whatever or origin story so it's not like they're all working and maybe that's the other thing too is maybe we need to say like okay yeah i, I want to go see this marvel because it's you know it's a comic book movie and i feel like i've just got to watch it because you know this is the infinity war and i grew up reading the infinity war i read like all the different books that were covering it because it was a, such a huge crossover um but maybe if you're like you know what no i'm, I'm not going to bother with this i've seen this too many times it's the same movie they're just going to do the same thing again then maybe you know then disney starts to take notes okay yeah i gotta we gotta do something different here um, like they're doing with the, the, the series that were on Netflix. I think they're probably going to move those to Disney Plus, which I don't know what that means for me if I'm going to you know keep wanting to follow Luke Cage if it moves to the Disney Plus. I want to want to keep following the Punisher if it moves to Disney Plus. Um, you know, I don't know if I can even afford to just pay for another streaming service. So that's another issue. But but it, it, it's interesting. You know, it'd be interesting to see if Marvel, you know, if Disney with the Marvel movies, they start to get away from the, the big tent productions. It, you know, if it starts to not be as profitable. And I don't, I don't see when that happens. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the next Marvel movie is going to be another big blockbuster and, you know, we'll see what happens as we get into the summer or whatever. Uh, but for me, you know, for what I find entertaining for what I'm looking for, I'm not as big a fan of the big tent. You know, I, I mean, I, yeah, there are some big tent productions that I like. I love the, the fast and the furious ones. I love to turn my brain off and just watch cars sailing through the air and all of that stuff. And granted, it's the same kind of thing as you're seeing in the Marvel movie. I don't know what makes it better for me. Um, with, with the Fast and the Furious, I guess because I'm a huge Vin Diesel fan. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. It does it, uh, but you know, and, and the Rock. I love the Rock too. But, but um, I, I just, I think maybe the other thing too is I don't have a personal stake in the Fast and the Furious. I didn't grow up reading any Fast and the Furious comics. They didn't exist. It wasn't how it worked. Um, I did think the first one was a ripoff of Point Break, and, and so um, I was a little bit dubious of the series going forward. But then they they put out number four, and suddenly everything changed. It was like, okay, this is just big action where I'm just going to turn my brain off and just let this happen. And, and it's just been fun for me like that. Maybe that's the problem is that like, I feel a certain ownership with some of these, these Marvel characters, even though they're not mine and I've just been reading them. But yeah, when you see them kind of turned into, you know, toy story or whatever, you know, Jurassic park or whatever that they've been turned into, you feel like, Oh, you know, this is, this isn't the, the, the you know, the, the, the character that I grew up with. This isn't who I remember them being. And I think that's, that, that does sometimes come up that you, you start to, I don't know how you say it. You, you, you know, what I wished for when I wished for these Marvel movies to be big and to see them on the screen, to see Spider-Man, like I, I saw him with the Sam Raimi films and the newer ones. Um, you know, this is what I wanted, but now it's like, okay, maybe it's not what I wanted. You know, maybe heck, I got what I asked for. And maybe I want to just go back to the old, like, 
you know, direct-to-video versions, which of course will never happen again now that Disney owns them. They're not going to let direct-to-video versions come out. But, you know, part of me kind of wants to go back to that, which, you know, sounds ridiculous, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. All right, so that is is the episode here. So like I said, we're doing another one in two weeks. Um, hopefully we will, um, you know, we'll see about getting a guest on for that episode. I'm trying a new podcasting uh interface called Zencaster. The thing with Zencaster is that you can, you and another person will, will record and then you pay money to have the, the two tracks put together. So for right now, for it's just being me uh, by myself, um, I'm not going to have to pay to have the, the track put together. But the one thing is because I don't have the pro version, I can't use any sound. Uh, I can't do a soundboard or anything like that. So we're going to see, you know, how this one goes. Um, when I did the episode with Ty and Brett, I did Skype, I just recorded us on Skype and then converted the file into an MP3 and then did my own edits after. That seemed to be a lot. To do my own edits seemed to be a lot. So I'm trying to find ways to save on time, um, but also get as good of a product out there for everybody because I know what it's like listening to podcasts. I love to listen to podcasts myself and I, I want something to be high quality that people can listen to when they're, you know, doing the dishes, riding in their car and, and traffic, you know, making dinner, whatever. They can have me on in the background, you know, at the gym, whatever you're doing have me on in the background, just kind of listen to what you're talking about, you know, my, me and my guests on. That's what I'm hoping for. So, it, you know, I'm just kind of trying to find, you know, see what I can do be between, you know, the budget that I have and, and um, you know, but but also trying to get something out there that's a, a better quality so that everybody can, you know, enjoy it like that, you know. Uh, it's probably not going to be a full professional quality because I don't have that kind of equipment, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, so just to wrap up, um, again, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Direct-to-Video Connoisseur, Twitter at DTV Connoisseur. Uh, again, the blog is uh, dtvconnoisseur.blogspot.com. Um, in addition to that, I'm on Letterboxd now, uh, DTV Connoisseur on Letterboxd. You can go there, check us out. Uh, a couple pages that I have, I have one set of lists that shows movies that are in the can that I'm going to be reviewing soon. Another one that's a watch list that talks about movies that I'm going to be you know, considering for future reviews. So if you want to get on those, you can take a look and let me know about some that maybe aren't on there or ones that are on the list that, you, you, you know, that you've looked at before and said, hey, you know, I'd really like to hear what you have to think about this. Or you know, that, one's, that one's a horrible one because you know, stay away from that and we can see from there. Um, also still on, uh, on Tumblr and Instagram. So, you know, check us out on social media, drop me a line, let me know, um, you know, what you'd like me to talk about, what movies you'd like me to do, things like that. And, uh, and we'll go from there. All right. Thanks everybody for listening and, and happy holidays. I know it's uh, Thanksgiving week, so hope everybody has a happy holiday. lineup of trucks ever hurry in and don't just feel the power own it right now get 2.9 financing for 72 months on the 2022 ram 1500 bighorn crew cab don't miss this great offer 2.9 apr financing for 72 months equals 1515 per month per 1000 finance for well-qualified buyers through chrysler capital regardless of down payment not all buyers will qualify see dealer for details offer ends 1031 2022